Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. My name is John. My name's Taylor. We are the bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. <laughs> Monday and Friday we release a new episode, guys. Uh, check out all the previous episodes on uh, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, everywhere else you can find a podcast. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. We're at NYGunGuys, all one word. Taylor. Yeah. What's up, John? What did you bring? Well, this is a long time episode coming. <laughs> yeah, and, we talk um, about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. This episode is on the three-line rifle, specifically. The model of 1891 three-line rifle, colloquially known in the West as the Mosin Nagant. Mosin. Mosin Nagant. The, uh, the garbage rod. The poor man's mill surf. The sticky bolt peat. The sticky bolt peat. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they're... Uh, that's the the little nickname we, so we gave him. <laughs> John and I, John and I have a long history with the yeah, Mosin. Um, we do. Back years, I think and, I might have had the first. You Mosin. did. You did. Years and years and years and years ago. Now, um, yeah. when when John and I first became friends and we we started kind of going to the range together and doing things, he got a Mosin, and mm. I was really jealous of it. I really <laughs> wanted one, and um, you know, uh, I just uh, I didn't have one at the time, and you know, subsequently I bought a lot of them, yeah. but. You know, when when we first started going to the Rage and hanging out, I always loved shooting his Mosin. Yeah. Um, it was something kind of just like, it, it has a mystique about it, especially here in America, because they were imported in mass numbers from the, mm. you know, from the 60s. Yeah. Even before them as bringbacks. But, um, you know, they just have the kind of this thing. It's like an affordable, cheap mill syrup that people can collect and yeah. endless variations and yeah. types and kinds. And, and especially when we started buying them, they were ultra affordable. Yeah. And the yeah, ammo was very now. ultra ultra affordable, oh, yeah. too. Um, now when, it's not. God. I mean, I guess it's still affordable. Yeah, per it se, is. But it's not. To, I mean, compared to what? Well, well, I guess we'll get into it. But yeah. We, uh, but yeah, we. We nicknamed one of my Mosin Sticky Bolt Pete because yeah. if anybody has a Mosin out there, they know that they come packed in Cosmoline. And sometimes when when you first get them and you clean them all down yeah. and you shoot them for the first time, the the bolt sticks. Yeah, the bolt sticks <laughs> uh, until it everything you know works its yeah you gotta works clean itself the out, and, out really well. But and, uh, <laughs> sticky Sticky Bolt, bolt Pete was always he's like oh bring Sticky Bolt Pete to the range. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, so um, it we so for us as friends, it always has you know very fond memories. But yeah. um, more more importantly, over the years, I've collected a good bit of Mosins, and I couldn't bring them all with me today just because. Yeah, how uh, many Mosins uh, do you actually uh, have? Um, uh, I don't know. You're gonna end up I on mean, a watch list if you. No, tell me. no, no, no. I mean, I think I got like seven of them or something like that, but they're wow. all just a little different. Um, I brought some of my more interesting ones today. Uh, I really like the me. wood on this one. Yeah, so that one I'm going to get into in a little bit. Yeah. But as normal, let let me just give you a little bit of backstory on a Mosin. So, like I said in the intro, it it wasn't. It's not called a Mosin Nagant in in Russia where it was um, mm. originally developed. It was called the three line rifle model of 1891, and in the West we call it the Mosin Nagant. Um, and in Russia at that time, it's called Mosin's rifle. Five shot, bolt action, internal, magazine fed, military rifle, developed from 1892 to 1891, 1882 to 1891, and used by the armed forces of the Russian Empire, the Soviet Union, and various other nations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also one of the most mass-produced military bolt rifles, action, bolt action rifles in history, with over 37 million units having been made since since its inception in Jeez. 1891. And in spite of its age, it has been used in various conflicts around the world and up to the present day. It's primarily found chambered in its original 762 by 54 millimeter rimmed cartridge. Um, some Mosins were 
rechambered in other calibers. Poland made one in an eight millimeter Mauser, and then the U.S. Um, a commercial company in the U.S. back in the day converted some to thirty out six. But pr- mm. primarily, you'll find them in seven sixty by fifty four M. Oh, also Poland had a twenty two trainer. Um, its designer was a Captain Sergei Mosin and Emil Nagant, produced 1891 to 1973. So there were two creators. Yeah, well, gotcha. getting into a little bit of the history, um, the rifle that came to be called the Mosin-Nagant is the design proposed by Mosin as further amended by Mosin with some details being barred from Nagant's design. Um, basically, Mosin developed the rifle. I'm boiling this down, but Mosin developed the rifle, Nagant developed the interrupter and the magazine feed system. Mm-hmm. So together, you have a Mosin Nagant rifle. Just uh, to backtrack a little bit, I, I do have two Mosins. Yeah. And the name of one of them is Sticky Bolt Pete, and the other name is Mosin Jones. Mosin Jones. So. <laughs> I don't, do, you, do any of your Mosins have names? You didn't name uh, them. Nah. Nah. I Only didn't. mine have the honor of having yeah, a name. Just, just because of all the dumb <laughs> shit we used to do. Just, you know, the shit that we just would Man, it's just one of those shit. things, you know. For, uh, oh man, I don't know if you want anyone to know this. Taylor used to have a YouTube channel. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Let's uh, not let's not talk about that abomination. I don't know. Maybe I should drop the name. Uh, no. He's looking at me like, no. dude, don't do it. No, <laughs> maybe <this>. no. <laughs> I can't. I won't say the name. No. I won't do that to you. It Who was knows? Just, we, we used to just go to the range and just film our range activities, and that's what what it was. But looking back now, I was just like, Ugh. I have no doubt that if some of your other friends would, oh, were yeah. here, they'd be screaming the name. Oh right yeah, now. they know what it is. I have like three loyal fans that are my friends, <laughs> and they're always bugging me for yeah. videos. I'm like, it's yeah. probably never gonna happen. <laughs> they can listen to the podcast you now. Know? Yeah, they can listen to this podcast where it's a lot more informative. And, Man, I uh, forgot not, about not that. as cringeworthy. So funny. Yeah, we. I filmed a couple videos yeah, for you, and yeah. we used to like just go. That was way, yeah, way in the beginning. Way, 2010, 2012. That was like way in the beginning of our friendship. Yeah, 2010, 2012 era, and we used to yeah. just go to the range and just blast some rounds and make some videos and <laughs> just you know kind of just have a good time of it. Yeah. Um, but the Mosin was very integrally part of that. Yes. Um. So, getting into just a little bit more of the history. Um, they were produced until 1973. And um, the last people to produce the um, the Mosins were the fin uh, was Finland, the Finnish, um, and also Mosin Nagant rifles and carbines saw service on many fronts of the Cold War, from Korea and Vietnam to Afghanistan, and along the Iron Curtain in Europe. Um, they were kept in like secondary, you know, reserve, you know, type duty. But like mm. I said, they were produced up until 1973 in Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Finland, one notable user of the Mosin Nagant. Probably the most famous sniper in world history is Simo Haya, was a Finnish military sniper. He used his um, M2830 rifle, which is a, a Finnish variant of the Mosinagant rifle, and a Suomi submachine gun. He's believed to have killed over 500 men during the 1939 to 1940 Winter War, including 259 confirmed kills made by that rifle, the highest number of sniper, kill, sniper kills in any major war. He was where, also Where is that firearm? I think it's in a museum somewhere in Finland. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. He was nicknamed the White Death by the <clears throat> Russians. Jesus. And you know what? He was just a normal guy. He was just a farmer, and uh, he had some techniques that he used, like putting snow in his mouth to like not have like the the um, the uh, the steam or the yeah. from his breath come out. Mm. He didn't use uh, scopes. He just used iron sights. Because, what? Yeah. Because at the time, wow. at the time, which I actually have a uh, Russian PU. Uh, um, sniper mode. Yeah, here. that's the one you stole from me. <laughs> Scopes weren't yeah. really that don't, great at the time. Don't yeah. think I forgot about well, that. Listen, you, you know, whatever. What? But, nope. <laughs> nope. 
Um, Didn't forget. Eh. So, <laughs> not one of your best moments, Taylor. Listen, I will man, admit. I just, you know, what's I gonna do? You're turning red right now. <laughs> you know, it's almost as bad as the time you the time you accidentally bought a gun. <laughs> yeah, this is probably number two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he didn't use a scope because. The reflecting sunlight off the lens could give away his position. Mm-hmm. He was much better with iron sights, and he didn't train with scopes. So for him, it was more advantageous to use iron sights. Mm-hmm. But I mean, two hundred over five hundred kills, two hundred fifty nine of them confirmed. I mean, yeah. with a bolt action, you know, kind of what people would say an obsolete gun nowadays. Right. So that just kind of goes to show you that in some aspects, it's not about the equipment or or you know how new it new technology stuff that you have it's about training and and your skill especially yeah. back then exactly. i mean even now when you're talking about like long range you know snipers yeah. you're shooting like could be like mile or more yeah. away yeah. you know and they're they're hitting these shots it's amazing yeah i know and modern technology allows us to have scopes and um, other accessories that help right. us with that but at the bare bones if you have a rifle with iron sights yeah. and the fins had really good ammunition mm. too they had um, a slightly different bullet than the normal uh, 54 rimmed, which I actually have some here. I think theirs was 7.62 by 53 millimeter rimmed, which is slightly dimensionally different. Um, it allowed for tighter. Um, the bullet was a little more snug in the barrel, gave better accuracy, things like that. Um, but so that's a little backstory in the Mosin. Um, now, there are plenty of resources to learn about the Mosins. Um, some of my favorite videos in the Mosin is actually made by CNR, uh, CN Arsenal on YouTube. They did a whole two part thing on Mosins, I think it's like three parts, and they go over early Mosins, history, variations, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, also, Ian McCollum from Forgotten Weapons has a really good video on Finnish Mosins, which is a really big part of the collecting world of Mosins. Um, but with me today, I brought three Mosins, three of my Mosins, and um, these are kind of more interesting ones. Um, this one here, which John says I stole from him. You did. I'll eh. tell the story. What? I'll tell the story. Well, no, I, I. the story goes, I, I had this offered to me for sale. And at the time, I I reached out to John and said, "Hey, you know, this somebody I know is selling this. Do you want it? Do you want it?" And then, and I was pretty much like, "Yes." But then I bought it anyway. So yeah, so you fucking <laughs> stole it from me. <laughs> eh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's not like I stole your girlfriend or something. Jesus, I might be less upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I'll be sure to let her know. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I bought, I brought with me. This is an, a genuine um, PU Mosin. It's nineteen forty three production. Now, when I say genuine, um, a lot of them that came into the country were refurbed. So this does have an electro penciled scope base that matches the gun, but it is an original sniper, and it is. Um, matched at an arsenal post. It was referred post World War II. Have you shot this gun yet? Oh uh, yeah, I have actually. It's really cool, man. The scope is. Actually... I'm sure it is. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> salty ass. Um, I will. I might be for forever on that so, one. So <laughs> the scope is actually pretty clear. It's a four power scope, yeah. and this is an original scope, 1942 dated, and it has the refurb mark, which is the X in the square. The scope base is electro pencil. I believe the guy said this is one of the Argon imports that was. I think in the early 2000s. Um, but the cool thing about this one is, from what I could tell, and I looked it all over completely, it's not import marked, which that doesn't really mean much of anything because we know it's a recent import, but it um, it just means that it must have gotten missed during the stampings of when they came mm-hmm. in. 
So um, yeah, import markings aren't required. Well, they are required, and that's the thing. I mean, it doesn't make it illegal. No, 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 it doesn't make it illegal. But right. a lot of gun collectors don't want import marks in their guns. Yeah. Nowadays, you have to have them on the receiver, and they're big yeah. and they're ugly. Back mm-hmm, in the day, mm-hmm. before two thousand two, I think you used to be able to get away right, with them right. on the barrel, someplace less conspicuous. But um, mm. this gun, like I said, I tore it down completely, and I couldn't find one, which probably just means it was missed. You know, they were doing. Yeah, I think my thousands are. Uh, you got it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, they must have just missed that one during, uh, or it's so light that I can't even see it. It On this gun, it would probably be on the barrel, but it's not there. So, <laughs> and I had that gun down to bare barrel receiver, you know, everything. I had everything taken off. But um, that gun is really, really cool. And they actually went up a, a lot in value over the last few years. Um, it is very, uh, it's a very desirable model. But buyer beware, there are a lot of fakes of them out there. So, you have to really know what you're looking at. Do your research on them in order to make sure that you don't get bamboozled. Um, even if you do buy one that, let's just say, has a reproduction scope and a reproduction scope mount, pay the reproduction price. You know, don't pay an original sniper Mosin yeah. price for one that's repoed. Um, the second gun I have here, which is actually, um, it's one of my more interesting variations. I really like the wood on this one. Yes. And, the, and the and the hardware is a little different. The yeah. furniture here. For so, John, this is a Finnish M91. So what this is, is it's, it was an original Russian M91 full-length um, Mosin rifle, mm-hmm. Mosin Nagant, um, 1899 production that the Finns captured, bought, etc. I think at the time they probably bought it, and they refurbed it, put a new stock on it. Um, they remarked the sights from the antiquated markings uh, mm-hmm. that's in Arshins, which is equivalent to like one pace to uh, meters on the other side, and then they issued it to service. So technic- this missed being an antique by one year. Mm-hmm. Now, an antique gun is anything made before 1898. So antiques are not considered firearms. So the cool thing about the Mosins is that some of them are antiques, and yeah. therefore not considered firearms. You can have them shipped straight to your door. Not it's in no- New York State. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, in New York State, I believe you can, because it's an antique. It's not a firearm. So... Actually, I'll have to double check that if somebody. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, antiques, um, like they, they're considered along the same lines of like black powder guns. Yes. So, if it's an antique, it's not considered a firearm. So you should federally, you, you could have a ship straight to your door. Um, We're just thing, not sure about New York State. I, I believe you can. I, in yeah. all honesty, I believe you can because mm-hmm. it's the same as black powder. Yeah. Um, the Finns always have a very noticeable two-piece stock. Um, so it's spliced. And then it, it, it's like a, like a tongue and groove kind of thing, and it's fit yeah, together. Yeah. Beautiful stocks. Um, the biggest giveaway on this one that it's a fin is the two-piece stock and then these sling swivels. So these sling swivels, um, they're not the traditional holes through the stock. They're an actual metal like hanger-type sling swivel. So, they have like an old-school look to them, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that combined with the stock, and then on the receiver, there's an SA marking in a box. That's finished um, property stamp. So this one here is like every other Mosin, except it's old and it was, you know, reworked by the Finns. What kind of wood is that? Do you know? Uh, I believe it's birch. Yeah, it's really pretty looking. Yeah, I believe it's birch. Um, it, it has really nice grain and the woodwork, the, the the craftsmanship on these stocks is just is just beautiful. Like, yeah, I really love this gun. I saw it. I got this gun on Gunbroker, and I just really had to have it. Was the trigger different on that? Um, no, the trigger. Well, the fins, the, the trigger itself, not like the mechanism, but the actual trigger. Um, it looks different. It is. It's probably an old because it's an older design. Yeah. Um, it's an original. You know, eighteen ninety nine. It's not. Yeah. One that's eight. That's uh, reworked from a ninety one thirty or something. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, it is inherently the same, but it's just older and it's yeah. probably of just a slightly different manufacturing yeah. design. Um, Finnish guns, Finnish M9, uh, Finnish Mosins are a huge collecting part of the Mosin world. Um, they're very desirable. Finnish M39s. I have one. Um, I really wanted to bring it, but, you know, I just didn't want to bring The more guns I got to bring, the more guns I got to bring home. Yeah. So maybe I'll take some separate pictures of the M39s or other Mosins in my collection. Um, this, so I, I do also have a Finnish, like I said, a Finnish M39. I also have a Finnish M27 which is really beautiful. has a really dark wood, straight wrist stock. Um, I really like that gun. But again, you know, just how many guns can I fit in the car to come over here? So I'll have to take some pictures of that separately. Um, so this is the M91. Now, if you notice, John, this one is longer than the 9130 pattern of the PU. Yeah, by like four inches? Yeah, something like that. So the M91 is is the original length. They, they were really mm, long. Okay. Um, now the next gun I have, John, if you want to pick that one up, um, this, this is a beautiful example of a Romanian M44. There you go. <laughs> that's going to sound, that's going to sound nice. Right. <laughs> Actually, it really did over my, my headphones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, John has a Russian M44. I also have a Russian M44 as well, but the Romanian one is very interesting. Because if you look at the marking on the receiver, it looks like the chef's mark. It looks like it has an arrow with a triangle, and then it has um, a fact the the uh, factory marking or the country marking. It's um, let me grab that real quick for you. Thank you. It it says the it's it says P R R in a circle with two wreaths going around, two like branches mm-hmm. going around it. Um, that's the People's Republic of Romania. And the arrow and the triangle, some people think it's a chess mark, but it's mm. actually Romanian. It's a Romanian arsenal mark. So um, the Romanians produce the M44. They also produce a 9130, which is very, it's rare. Um, mm-hmm. The 9130 uh, Romanian is very rare. But the M44s are actually were commercially imported. Um, you know, they were not commercially imported. They were imported on the surplus market. Um, they never made them commercially. These were all military guns. But this one in, in particular, um, I don't know if it was ever issued. It's beautiful has a deep dark blue the stock is like a beautiful like blonde color um there's only like one scratch on the gun and that's how i got it on the magazine uh well on the left side but other than that it's an all numbers matching m44 just beautiful gun in my opinion now the mosins they made them in different lengths like i said the m91 is the longest mosin that they made um they also made going in chronological order 1907 carbine which is a cut down m91 which is very rare you don't see them very often and then you have the 1938 carbine which is the m38 which is a cut down um, 9130 and then you have the m44s and the m44s are probably the most common ones that you see they have a side folding bayonet short length um different stock from uh, going forward from the uh, from the hand grip. Have you shot this one? Yes, I have. Does it shoot fireballs? Yeah, just <laughs> like mine. Yeah, <laughs> all M44s shoot fireballs. With it's ridiculous. If you guys have <laughs> have never shot one, you really have to get one. And oh just, yeah, you have to just watch. Oh, I know. It's really cool. Man. It's like just rings of fire. I know, and because you know the ammo, it's it's a very powerful cartridge. It's coming out of a short barrel. Mm-hmm. Remember this this cartridge was designed for a barrel that was you know. <laughs> way longer than this yeah um so the m44 a lot of times is um what people kind of gravitate toward just because it's cool as a side folding bayonet it's a short carbine length uh rifle i like that it's short yeah I mean, yeah it's, that's that's part of the reason why i like it yeah you know i i don't know the i mean the longer one is nice 
I like my longer one. <laughs> but there's just something about the shorter. Oh yeah, the shorter barrel. It, it feels a lot more robust. It just feels just you know dense. It it's just like feels, feels chunky. Yeah, you chunky know. Yeah, and, yeah. So um, all these weird things that. Really, the other one should feel the exact same way, right? Because right. <laughs> everything is pretty much the what same. What I was talking about import markings is yeah. if you look on the barrel, you'll see the see. import markings um, that I was referring to on the end of the barrel. They're very small, very discreet, and that's the way it should be if you have to import gun, mark a gun. Yeah, I see it. Um, you can put that back down on the table. Um, so a lot of times, Mosins, when you see them imported new, they have these big, what they call dot matrix um, receiver markings, or import markings on the receiver. And it's just kind of a detractor, but um, I I think that it, it, people always like this is like their first mill surf they get, yeah, because of the price, because of the availability. Yeah, when when I bought my Mosin, I think my first one was like a hundred and twenty dollars, and the second one was like I don't even what, what it was like two seventy five. It might even been less than that. I think I think it was like something like that. M44. You got that at the White Plains show. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking to myself when I bought my first one for $120 that this is really expensive. <laughs> and um, we were also a lot younger and we didn't we were. have a lot of money. We were. We were a lot younger. Yeah. But when you look at how much they are now, oh, I mean, I haven't bought one since then. A 9130 so. you could get for like three to 400. It's it, just crazy. Yeah. I, well, if you think about it, it's all about supply and demand. I mean, when they were being imported, they were coming in by the ass load, and you know they just had to sell them at a lower price. They were coming in from Ukraine. They were coming in from Russia. They were coming in from Eastern Europe. They were coming in. It's just amazing that you can get a gun for ninety nine dollars, essentially. I mean, honestly, you know? yeah, that's what it should be. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and then the ammo. Yeah. I remember. You remember we went to the oh, show. I, it might have been the same. Yeah, it was, it was the White Plains. Yeah, yeah, you so got the I gun bought, and the ammo. I bought the gun, and then I walked around and I bought. A, a crate of ammo yeah. from another guy it was like $160 cash out the door. Yeah. Like, and the crate has 880 rounds in it. Yeah. Now, now one can. The last time yeah. I bought a can, which was last year, a can year, that's half. That's 440 rounds. Yeah. I paid $180 for it. Right. So it's like doubled in price. Right. Doubled in price. That is crazy within itself. Now, um, I believe the last imports of them I saw recently were Polish imports and they were going for like online 200 something dollars. Right. Then you got to pay for shipping. And then in New York, Depending and, on where you get it from, you got to pay for transfer. And it's heavy. It is heavy. Some places <laughs> do offer free shipping, but yeah. some don't. Well, I know Target Sports, if you order a certain amount, they order, they do free shipping. Like Yeah, but they don't really have a lot of surplus ammo. No, but yeah. I buy, like, you know, whatever, the just to plink at the range. Right. But, you know, for my 9 mil, I'll buy, like, a 1,000 rounds. Yeah. And they, they do So the one shipping. thing about the Mosin ammo is there's a couple of different varieties that's mm-hmm. kind of commonly available here in the U.S. Sometimes you'll see what's known as a silver tip. Silver tip is a, like a light uh, steel, like a mild steel core, like what we were talking about with the Chinese AK mm, ammo. Yeah. Uh, they call it armor penetrating. I mean, yes and no, it can be, um, but it just means it has a mild steel core, and that's kind of what it was designated as. Um, what kind of armor it penetrates? I if don't know. If you have, um, if you're wondering if your ammo in your can has, ha- is that the right. silver tipped it should have like a little silver paint. like mark paint mark yeah. on the actual can itself yes. i think a few of mine had it yes um, and on the, the bullet tip itself it has silver right but dipped. if you if it's not opened right and you're curious right. you you know at that point you have it there's also websites that can tell you um based on the markings on the can what country it's from where yeah. it's what year it's from i have mosin ammo from russia bulgaria mm. and romania yeah um, and then yeah, so that's I mean, but they come from all over. They came from Poland, they yeah. came from China, they came from 
you know. Yeah. And for anyone who has never experienced Mosin ammo <laughs> from, you know, coming from over there and surplus stuff, it comes in a in a sealed, air sealed, um, like spam can. Yeah. So can. when you get a... Uh, when you get a, a crate of it, it comes with a little can opener. Sometimes it does. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't, though. You'd be surprised sometimes if you buy a can. If you don't buy the crate from some places, right. they won't give you the opener. Right, that's what I'm saying. If so you anytime, buy the can. Anytime I see an if you opener. Buy the crate, rather. Yeah. Anytime I see an opener at like a gun show, I just grab it. If it's like five bucks, I'll just grab it. I think mm. I have like three of them in my safe. Yeah, just I got because, a couple. Yeah, they, they always come in handy or somebody you know needs one or you lose yeah. it. I always grab them if they're cheap enough. They're cool as hell to open because <laughs> when you crack the seal, <laughs> yeah, it's got that commie air. Yeah, that commie air. <laughs> I know. That communist air that hasn't been passed around for many a moon. Yeah, many a moon. Just get up in there. <laughs> now, I, no, it's, um, it's cool. It's, it's, it's definitely an experience to open up something that's been sealed so long ago. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And the same thing with uh, stripper clips. Mm-hmm. Um, these, the ones, I so I have some ammo with me here today. These are original Russian uh, stripper clips. I believe these are uh, Chef's stripper clips. Yeah, they have the arrow and the um, and the triangle. These are a Chef's Russian uh, Now, did you buy the stripper clip and put the ammo on here? Yeah. Okay. So um, the stripper clips I actually got from a, a gun shop in PA, Sarko. They're really cool. Those That's like the place you go to if you need a minute screw for an obscure rifle. Like they got everything in there walking around. It's like, it's like a gun show, but in a store. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's really cool. Um, and I got this, uh, I got the stripper clips and then I got a spam can opener from there. Uh, you know, I asked the guy like, Oh, how much for the spam can opener? And I bought a bunch of shoes. Like, yeah, just take it. I'm like, fucking yeah, cool. He's All right. A million of them. Yeah. Um, so the ammo comes in five rounds. You could put it on five round stripper clips and that's what you could load the gun with. You could single load it, um, as well. And the ammunition is corrosive. Uh, mm-hmm. surplus ammunition is corrosive. Yeah. So be sure to wash, uh, clean your gun out thoroughly. Uh, the best way to remove corrosion uh, after shooting is through either hot water. Uh, you just pour hot water down the barrel, and that removes all the corrosive salts. Or um, Windex with ammonia. It has to have ammonia in it because the ammonia neutralizes the corrosive salts. So usually, um, I know this sounds kind of like you know, well, DIY-ish, but like you know, I just spray down the bolt with ammonia, scrub uh, with. Um, Windex with the ammonia, spray it, scrub it, and then the barrel, I spray it down there and just put a little bit of hot water down, mm. and it's fine, and then you clean it like normal with your solvents. Yeah, I can't else. even remember the last time I shot my Mosin. It was before <laughs> it was shipped off to oh, fucking, yeah. before I brought it to Suffolk County Police Department to voucher there when I was going through my process. I'm you, curious I if I did it. it for you, I'm cu- it's not legal. Oh, if you transferred it to me? Well, at the time, it actually was legal. For a private sale? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Um, getting it back from you would have been the yeah. trans. I mean, at the end of the day, I got it back. It wasn't, you know, it yeah. just was a little bit of a pain in the ass. I, I wanted to go, you know, do it the right way. I suppose. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when I was in the academy, there was a guy, they were making fun of him because he, like, when, when he was coming in, you know, they ask you how many guns you have and they want to know. <sighs> and this guy had, like, fucking 40 or 50 guns. They were making fun of him. Like, Everybody, all the cops knew who he was because he had that many firearms. I mean, can't you just tell them none? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I if mean, you transfer them all out before you go in. Well, no, they want to know all the guns you've ever owned. They want to know if you own any and all the guns you've ever owned. So you need the serial numbers, whether you own them now or not. Oh, and then, you know, if you don't own them now, they want to know where they go. They right. want bill of sale and they want to make sure everything's on the up and up. I mean, don't forget, they're, you know, you can't be a criminal walking in there and being a criminal you know especially if later on they find out you're a criminal then they fucking spent money on you (laughs) they were extra pissed Uh, but uh yeah you know i think 
for the most part, it's one of those things. It's a checkbox for them, you know? Yeah. Oh, we checked. Click, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, getting back into the Mosin now, I think um, for people who are interested in certain conflicts or certain countries, um, you could collect a Mosin that was probably used in that conflict. I mean, they were used in, like I said, from World War II all the way up into modern day, um, you know, Afghan, the, the Middle East conflicts that were going on. Uh, during the Weapons of War episode, I brought in my Hungarian Mosin that um, was allegedly, again, just by piecing together what the rifle says, um, allegedly used by the Kosovo Liberation Army, and that happened in the 90s. You yeah. Know? Then a, a rifle that was made in the 1950s being used in the 90s fighting, you know, conflict. Well, I mean, I'm sure you can find these today still being used in conflict. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, you know, that's not that A lot of them were left in the Middle East by the um, by the Russians during the, during the Afghan-Russian war that was going on over there. Um, you see a lot of them that are cut down or modified. The Obrez, which is the 9130 pistol that's commonly found in Russia as like a peasant gun. Basically, they take the action and they cut it here so it's con- so it's concealable. They cut it like right <laughs> after the sight block and they cut it, you know, with the pistol grip. And yeah, do you want to talk about like wrist breaking? Uh, That'd fuck you up. Well, the ironic thing about that is is it doesn't have... Basically, because there's almost no barrel to it, it's such a short barrel that it doesn't have time to generate um, pressure mm. in, in the barrel. So a lot of the gas and the and the, and the gunpowder just gets... Shoots out. out. Yeah. yeah. Now, one it's thing, probably a hell of a thing to look at being fired. <laughs> you, you can know? look it up on YouTube. They, yeah. they, they're on YouTube. Yeah. Now, one thing I, John mentioned to me before the podcast was he wanted to talk about the myth of the milled receiver it's versus... not really a myth okay well i mean it's a myth and it's not a myth okay so the myth is that mosins generally come with a milled hexagonal receiver and they come with a round receiver the way the way it was kind of explained to me was the hex receivers were made pre-war therefore they were made you know with a little more care well, which war? Because remember, they were made before World War One, and before and dur- they were made before World War One, mm. and then made during World War One, and yeah. then I think it during was the Russian World Civil War, war and then during World War Two. Maybe it was World War Two, right? Because World War Two, they they refurbished everything yeah. before World War Two to the ninety one thirty, right? Around receiver, um, some of them still have had hex receivers from ye olden days. Yeah, but mine has a hex receiver. Right. One of them. The thing is, um, I'm going to just dispel the myth. A lot of that is just importers and distributors and gun shops just adding on extra value to something that really doesn't need to be there. Um, the only extra value that comes from a milled receiver gun is its age and its history or where it was made or what markings it has on it. In my opinion, um, the round receiver was made just for ease of manufacture when right. they needed to pump out so many more of them. Right, it's and like, that's that's kind of what people. Right, that's that's the whole like thing that people say like, oh, they weren't rushing to make the gun. They didn't, you know. Right. So it's made with a little more care. It's made, you know, yeah. quote unquote properly. And, well, yeah. I mean, it's know. like um, also like with the Mausers, like the pre-war Mausers right. and the you know the wartime mm-hmm. Mausers, mm-hmm. you know, and then the last ditch Mausers. Yeah. And same thing with the Arasakas, and you know, there is always going to be better quality when yeah. they're not rushing to produce things. Right. But right. Honestly, to to have a premium on that, mm. it's, well, I guess for some people, it just has a, a little more collectability. That's why. Um, I suppose, you know, but I can understand them saying like, "Oh, they function better." That would be a lie. But to say, "Oh, they check another box for a for a collector," well, I can see them, that. I've heard them say that the hex receivers are stronger, and I'm like, no, oh no, I, is, no, no, no. I they, mean, you know, the only reason I could see paying more for one is if it 
has uh, some significance to a collection that yeah. I'm trying to fill or something. Right. I mean, other than that, guns produce up to a certain time. We'll have hex receivers. The guns produced after that, we'll have round receivers. Right. Or if they're retro, or if they're refurbed, they, you know, they they'll have a little bit of both. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, unless you're looking specifically for a hex receiver gun, because like you said, you wanted to fill a certain spot right. in a collection. I wouldn't not buy. You know, it's not like I would go to the store and I would say, oh, you only have round, you know, receiver Mosins. Right. Now I'm not going to buy one. Right. Like, for example, this PU Sniper is a round receiver. Yeah. Mosin. Basically, I, from what I remember, how they selected the, um, the, 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 the guns for the snipers were that they just took the guns, a shot the best, and then they made them into snipers. Makes sense. So they have, um, you know, round receivers. It doesn't affect the functionality. It doesn't affect anything else other than, you know, the hex receiver versus the round. Yeah. So if it's good enough to be considered a, quote, sniper rifle, then, um, you know, to me, it's fine. Um, the 9130, though, is probably the most prolific Mosin that you'll find. And oftentimes on forums and Facebook groups, they say, hey, I picked up this Mosin. It's got these markings on it. What does it mean? Do a little Googling. Um, you'll find that uh, sites like uh, mosengot.net or 762x54rim.net, I believe it is, they have a lot of info on there about the markings, the dates, the stock types, the, you know, all the different cartouches you could find on the gun. And sometimes they have a list on there where it's like, we don't know what this is, but this is a stamp that somebody submitted to us. So do, you know, look up some stuff and you'll find that sometimes your gun might be a lot more common than you think. Um, don't be butthurt that your $150 Mosin isn't rare. A lot yeah. of people place, in my opinion, this is where uh, Mosin gets a bad, the Mosin gets a bad reputation. A lot of people place a lot of faith in a NAS produced military bolt action rifle. They say, oh, for $150, it's such, it's so accurate and it's so this. They try to build it up to something that it isn't. Um... You know, when the gun was made during, obviously, like John said, maybe, you know, pre-war, uh, they did take a little bit more time and care to, you know, make them a little bit better. But then in the inter during the during the wartime and interwar periods, they're like, all right, we just need guns. We got to pump now. Yeah. Um, remember when we talk about the AK-47 episode, we talk about looser tolerances. So the bolt on a Mosin, it moves back and forth because... When it's totally open. Yeah, when it's totally open. That's one thing that is people say is a detriment to the design, but when the gun is locked, it's not going anywhere. It still has a little bit of play, but you know, they they tried remedying that. I believe they put um, in some of the guns. I'm I'm really drawing a blank on it now. They put um, like a slot to stabilize the bolt when it goes to the rear, but they found that it actually could cause issues, so they did away with that. Mm. Um, so certain things like that, you know, there's a lot of play in the bolt. So it, it's not as inherently accurate as, let's just say, like a Mauser design, for example. This That was like the, like the biggest competition to this gun was like the Mauser design. Um, you know, certain things like, like we said about tolerances. You know, you had to have a looser set of tolerances in order to have reliability. So again, people are saying, like, for example, this gun is from 1899. You know, that's over 120 years of shooting. You know, God knows how many rounds have been through this. I mean, the bore is pretty good, yeah. But, you know, you don't know how many rounds have been shot through this. And, um, you know, accuracy is very subjective in that opinion. Look at it at, through the lens of the time. That's what I always tell people. You know, this isn't going to be as good as a $200 gun from Walmart nowadays. That $200 bolt gun you get from Walmart will outshoot this 20 times over, especially with modern produced ammunition. You're shooting ammunition through a Mosin. 
that's old as shit too. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of this was made to be used in machine guns as Sentinel. Mm. But, you know, it's the same caliber and you can shoot it in the Mosin. The Mosin action can handle, it's very strong. So um, take that into account too. Don't put too much stock in the fact that you got a great, cool gun at a good price. Well, don't don't build it up like that. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a cool gun. Yeah. Um, it's got some historic value to it, and I think it's got um, a lot. Of some could have value. more than others, and I think as like a first mil spec gun, that's you know it's a good option. I believe it's you could probably branch the best out. option. You could branch out from from owning one to owning. You know, as Taylor has seven. Yeah, I believe it's um, seven. I gotta, I gotta and uh, they could all be a little different. I mean, it's 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 cool, and they look different. They don't right. all look the same either. I mean, no. there's clear differences. You know, <laughs> so it's it's cool. They almost look like different guns, right? Which is nice. One thing I love doing is I love going through Gun Broker, and I I look for Mosins, and I do this for a lot of guns, SKSs, Mosins. And I see if the seller misidentified something, if I could find that SA mark for a finished property gun. Because sometimes you'll just have a regular 9130, but then it'll just have that little SA stamp. And it's like, ooh, that gun's a finished property mark gun. That means it was captured during the Winter War, the Continuation War with the Russians. Um, so there's a lot of cool history you could find just by looking at the subtleties of a Mosin. There's a lot of cool collecting that you could do if you're into that. Some guys might be listening to this being like, ah, I don't give a shit about old guns. Like, yeah. Okay, well... You know, that's your thing, and good on you. I mean, you could sporterize it. <laughs> People do, and part of me... Okay, sporterize a Mosin. I mean, look, I've seen cool-looking, yeah. cool-looking right. sporterized Mosins. Some people say sporterizing a Mosin is sacrilege. Look, there was millions of them produced. Millions and millions and millions of them. And unfortunately, you know, you could look back and say, oh, I wish Granddad didn't sporterize his bring-back Mauser, you know? Yeah. Or, but honestly, like... If you find a Mosin, it's in rough shape. There's millions of them out there. Do your homework. Make sure you don't have something special. If you just have a run-of-the-mill 9130 and mm-hmm. you want to make a little project out of it, yeah. practice your gunsmith skills. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I really don't in that specific example. Now, like I said, the collector part of me is like, oh, preserve everything. And I'm like, you know, there's a time and place. Like if, if somebody were to sporterize this 91, uh, M91. That's I'd, a problem. That's obviously. a problem. Because this is a very, you know, right. more historically relevant rifle than a 9130 in my opinion. Same thing with this Romanian M44. Um, people were doing that with the Chinese Type 53 rifles that were coming in years ago for like less than $100 a pop. And they were putting them in Archangel, st- Archangel stocks yeah. and putting scopes on them. And I'm like, you know, that one to me is... I have a Chinese Type 53. It's a first-year production, what they call Trials Gun. Um, that one does have a billboard import stamp on the left side of the receiver. Again, nothing I could do about that. I really wanted that gun because it is a first-year production, uh, what they call Trials Gun. And at the end of the serial number, it has a little Chinese character that signifies it as a first-year production. Yeah. So to me, having that big import stamp was kind of worth it for the price I got it for. You know, I, I could live with that. Um, but so if you want to buy a Mosin, so we always talk about like, you know, a little bit of the history of the guns we featured, kind of our thoughts, maybe some of our opinions on it. And then now like yeah, these, these for people living in New York, you can just go and buy one of these. Yeah. You don't have to think about, you know, all these silly laws. Right. And stuff. It's a bolt action rifle. Sometimes it's an antique. So, you know, be that as may, the law applies there for certain guns. Um, so, for example, like if you go to buy a Mosin, I'm just going to take this, um, this M44. Ugh, Romanian, it's a little heavy. I had to reach across the table. Pardon. Um, the, the cool thing about a Mosin is if you just want to look at it quickly, let's just say you're at a shop. Guy hands it to you. You know, you, you open it up, make sure it's unloaded, of course. 
you know, like we talked about in our Gunshot Bassholes video uh, podcast, you know, you ask the guy, hey, do you mind if I just, like, look it over? The cool thing about a Mosin is to remove the bolt, you bring it all the way to the back, pull the trigger, and the bolt just comes out. So now, if you want to look down the barrel, you have an unobstructed view down the barrel so you can check barrel condition. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's the biggest thing with a Mosin yeah. is barrel condition. Obviously, rust below the stock line is another one, but the barrel condition on a lot of these is very important because of that corrosive ammo. Um, you want to check and see if numbers are matching or not matching or if they're force match or electro pencil match. Commonly, um, when the guns went through a refurb program overseas, they were what's known as force matched. So um, you'll see numbers stamped out and then a number put over it or next to it, or you'll see electro pencil numbers on parts. That was done by a rebuild depot or an armory when they were refurbishing the guns post-war for long-term storage in case the Cold War kicked off. So... You know, that will depend, you know, that those factors will depend, the price will depend upon that. Um, an all-matching gun obviously is more desirable, or an electro-penciled match gun is desirable, but the Finns, they didn't, they didn't give a shit about that at all. A Finn gun, a lot of times, is often mismatched. Sometimes they'll just renumber the bolt to the receiver, but all the other parts, they're like, I don't give a shit if the stock plate matches. Yeah. Or the butt plate, what does that matter? So, Finn guns don't, a lot of times aren't matching unless it's a captured gun that didn't need any refurbishing with a fin mark on it. Mm-hmm. So honestly, when you're looking at a Mosin, that's the biggest thing in my opinion is the barrel condition. Um, you know, if it's an M44, make sure the bayonet, oops, sorry, make sure the bayonet folds out, locks, um, make sure the bolt operates smoothly, make sure that there's, as far as you can tell, there's no rust, make sure the barrel looks okay. And like I said, um, I seen regular ninety one thirties going for, um, like I said, like nowadays three to four hundred. Yeah. Uh, there's a place locally to me they have it like three seventy five plus tax, so you know about four hundred ish. And then uh, online, you know, you could find them a little bit cheaper, but consider shipping and transfer. Be that as that may. M forty fours. I've seen, I've seen them go for anywhere from like four to six hundred. Um, and it, you know, it, it just depends. Like, it depends on where you are, condition, mm. the type. Sometimes, like I said, you might see a Romanian that's misidentified as a yeah, Russian. Right. And you could scoop that up for maybe a little bit cheaper. Uh, how often do you see people who are stamping, you know, markings that were not originally there to up the value on a Mosin? Because I know it's common with other guns. It's very common on guns like German guns, for right. example. On Mosins, you don't really not, see that. Okay. I mean, you do on some guns. Like, I would say the biggest it's, bakery... It's possible, but... I would say the biggest fakery on Mosins is the, the sniper Mosins. Yeah. Because those command a lot of money. Sure. You know, they try to pass off a scope right. as original or a scope base as original. Yeah. I'm or, just asking because from someone who, you know, maybe someone's listening, you know what, I want to start getting into Mosins. It's it's almost like it's a little safer of an option, you know, to start with. You don't have to know super, a super amount of information about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, generally for the money that you're going to put into it, it's not worth faking anything. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. I mean, people can and probably do, but in all honesty, you don't have to worry about faking things in the Mosin world. Um, it's always out there, though. If something doesn't look right, you know, look into it more. Yeah. But there's always exceptions to the rule, man. There's always things that were done by countries that aren't traditional. Like, for example, if you look up, I forget the name of it, but it's a Polish Mosin where the front half of it is, is a K98 and the rear half of it is a Mosin. It's like it's got this weird WZ designation, but it shoots eight millimeter, and it looks like somebody photoshopped a Mauser and a Mosin together. Hmm. But Interesting. Somebody might say that's fake, but yeah. it's it's one hundred percent real. Right. Um, 
So you don't have to worry about fakery too much, but there are some books out there. Um, a little, some of them are really outdated. Oh, the biggest one. Let me tell you, um, the biggest one that people might find is an East German marked 9130 or an East German Mark Mosin. In 2014, I believe it was. This is a fake. No, it's not a fake. It's just a mis it's just a misunderstanding in the collecting community. Oh, okay. Something that was kind of like gun shop lore that was spread around that kind of became accepted, but then mm-hmm. um, I believe it was in 2014. Ian McCollum from Forgotten Weapons published an article and said that the East German marking basically it's a one in a triangle mm-hmm. is not an East German marking and it's in fact a Russian um, refurb stamp or property stamp. But because the triangle one in East German parlance is marked on their guns in other it's just I think it's just a coincidence that the yeah. Russians also used it um, East Germany did use 9130s and they did use Mosins mm-hmm. but um, they were all given to them pretty much by the Soviet Union yeah um, so that's that was a, like a misconception that was kind of spread about in the gun world does it make it special if it has one or no it's just no. it's just a normal it's not something that people should be looking for specifically right so somebody can tell you oh it's an East German marking but you could look yeah. it up and say well it's kind of been shown that it's not right and that's something that you that we still learn about Mosins man is that there's still things to learn about them um, the Milserp world is still changing and evolving recently um, like I believe it was in the most recent episode of the Grand Collectors Association Journal, they found a new variation of Italian Brita M1 Grand Snipers they didn't know about before. And this is 2020, 2019, 2020. So in the middle of world, things were always changing. New knowledge is brought to light. Um, so for the first time, Mosin buyer, maybe you have a particular interest of conflict or country, or you just want one at a cheap price. There's something for everybody out there. And if you go on Gun Broker right now, you could get one, like I said, for three hundred bucks. You could get one for over a thousand. Um, the Finnish M39s are like the Cadillac of the Mosin world. They're going for close to a thousand bucks right now. Yeah. And I'm kicking myself for not buying them when they were imported by Classic Firearms years ago for like four hundred bucks. I got mine much later than that, but I got it a good deal. Um, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your What are your thoughts on Mosins, John? I mean, I, I like I said, I know you have them, but you you said you don't shoot them much. I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. You just not into... I know you're more into handguns now, but... It's... I mean, I guess it's not really that I'm... I am more into handguns. That is that is true. I have said it multiple times. That doesn't mean I don't like my Mosin Legans. Right. But there, it's a process to shoot them, man. And I'm not talking about it's a process to shoot them specifically, but any rifle. Like, look, some... Like, I know some indoor... Ranges don't even let you shoot rifles. I couldn't imagine because they're so loud. Inside. Yeah, oh my right. God. And then so okay, let let's go to Calverton because I'm not gonna go anywhere else. Calverton's you know affordable and whatnot. I so you go there and it's close. Um, and then it's like you wait on the fucking line to get in because everybody. Yeah, that's if it's busy. Yeah, but my guy, the last like four times, <laughs> think about it. The last I know like, we four went on a we weekend there. during the pandemic, and everybody's going there to shoot their new gun they got. Right. Um, the line, like we waited like over an hour. Yeah. And then you finally get in, and like only the two hundred yard like option is available. I mean, you can stretch. I've shot this M ninety one out to two hundred. Yeah, I know yards. you can, but I'm not saying that's what I want to do if I go there. And then you got to walk. Down I know there. the two hundred yard walk there and back is a bit is, right. Yeah. I know. So it, honestly, for me, it just makes more sense time wise for myself to 
bring my bring my duty gun yeah. home from work, you know, and my, and bring my off duty with me to the range with my setup with my duty belt and fucking you get right in. They walk up to your car. Oh, you shooting rifle or handgun? Oh, I'm shooting handgun. Perfect. Drive right on up, and there's nobody there. I don't have to worry about people next to me not knowing what they're doing and all this shit. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I guess it's just con- the convenient factor for me. The convenience is just. It's so much better. I suppose. And then you got to bring this thing home. You got to clean it, which... You got to do that with any gun, dude. I know you have to do it with any gun, but I don't have to think about corrosive ammunition and certain ways to clean it. And, you know, it's just... it's In my opinion, it's just easier to clean a Glock. I suppose, but... You it's don't, smaller. You don't have to... You know? I feel like, honestly, like I said, whenever I shoot like an old gun like this, I feel like connected to the history of sure. it. Sure. You know, like I said, Simo Haya shot an M28... And killed, you know, allegedly sure. 500 people. Right. And I'm and not and I'm not discounting that at all. You're just asking me why. Was, by the way, he was averaging like five kills a day. That's nothing. I, <laughs> what, like you do more? Like No. I mean, five I mean, kills a day, that's pretty substantial, I have dude. zero kills on my record, okay? You know what the crazy <laughs> thing is, man? I was looking, I, I read into him, over, yeah. you know, over time. And, yeah. Um, he lived up until 2002. Wow, and he was he was born in like 1906. Do you think he was like haunted by all the men he's he, killed? You know what he said. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try and remember this quote by him. But somebody asked him like, you know, do you feel bad about what you did? He's like, you know, we all had to do it to ensure the the, the freedom of Finland. Like right. everybody had to do this. Yeah. Um. He lived. I, I believe he died in a nurse like a military like nursing home. Hmm. Um. He was a farmer after the war. He just went back to like normal Jesus, life. Could you imagine having that? Like, you've done all that, and then you just go back to, like, pulling weeds, farming oh. shit, you know? Weeds. I mean... Yeah, farming. But yeah. but it kind of lends itself to the, the ideology of, you know, people back then did what they have to do. Yeah. You know, you had to worry about this big, like, monster country next to you that mm. Finland used to be a part of, of Russia, the Russian Empire, and then they gained their independence. I mean... War is fucking ugly, and when you have to mm-hmm. carry around this this fucking thing and, and shoot people with it, I mean, it, it really just kind of like I said in the machine gun shoot when I went, it just kind of like puts you in that in that mindset of like, holy fuck, like this is what some people yeah. really had to do, and I'm really lucky that I don't have to do that. Oh yeah, you know that yeah. I don't have to go to war, and I don't have to, and I'm not saying that is like a, is like a haha thing, but no, 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 it's just like. I'm very fortunate that in today's world, I mm-hmm. don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm not faced with the with the everyday reality of invasion, of war. And there are people that willingly go and do that. And that's why a lot of times, you know, veterans and police officers and everything, it's like, you know, you really have to just tip your hat to them because it's like, hey, I'm not doing it, but you are, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, police officers nowadays have a very bad reputation just because that's what is politically pop, you know, popular. Um, even, you know, soldiers yeah. get a bad rep as well, you know. So, uh, you know. Anybody that carries an American flag gets a bad rep these days. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's looking sad, man. I mean, I, I just sent Taylor a video oh, of some, some of the shit going they on in New York City right now. Time, uh, the, the, time zone, the battle in Times Square. Yeah. Something oh, like that. I mean, Jesus. people are screaming and... It's like, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy because we, I think what it was is there was like a Trump parade. It looked like through the city and you know, you have the people who are 
counter protest. I hate that. I fucking hate that term counter protest because (laughs) it's like what the the media labels you a counter. Like, what are you countering? Well, I think that they're actually protesting. They were actually protesting the parade. So I guess they are just the protesters. But then you had you had like Trump supporters. Basically, it's Trump. It's Trump supporters versus liberals is pretty much what it is. If you look at it, you have people who are wearing MAGA hats and fucking swinging around, you know, Trump flags. And then you have other people who are clearly against it. And they're like, they're both fighting each other. They're both yelling at each other. You have like the, the one side you know, there's the Trump parade going by and there's people throwing rocks and paint at the cars and the police are like right in the middle. And And what are, you know, and they're fighting, they're fighting the police and they're fighting the fucking, the Trump parade at the same time. And then like, you know, there's a cop and he, you know, someone gets out of the, out of the car and he says that guy, you know, you know, hit my daughter. And then, you know, now the cop has no choice. They have to grab that guy. And now the cops are getting beat on. Right. It's like you went there to have a problem and you you created a problem and now you want to blame the cop for arresting you. It's just like, man, it's it's an unwinnable situation. I think the only solution is to make sure everybody has Mosins and to make sure that, you know, if you want to go express your political ideology, that you have a Mosin with you. No. Because historically... <laughs> <laughs> I always joke like even when no. Lisa was here that's like my running joke with John I'm like no. hey you need me to come with the Mosin like let's go no <laughs> it's part it's part comedy but part like you know you know what it is and people do say like oh we should have you know everyone should carry guns and I do I do believe that yeah if you look at what's going on if you look at the video I showed you oh, I mean man. if everybody had a gun there people would be shooting people it, yeah it's you know there's bad. there's certain situations and I'm a firm believer that we should all have the right to carry, you know, as long as legally we're allowed to. But there are just some situations where guns can, it just can make it worse. There's emotions and it's like what happened in Wisconsin and all these other places. I mean, unfortunately, you know, if, if emotions are involved and guns, guns are involved, the unfortunate side effect is that stupid people are going to do stupid things. Correct. And right. I mean, listen, I think that people at a protest should be able to have firearms sure. on them. Um, I'm, you know, that's a that's. A and I'm sure there, right? I'm sure there were people there with <laughs> firearms. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, so I, and I'm not talking about illegal no. ones. Oh, but I mean, oh. I mean, I'm sure I'm 100. I thought you were sure. going to talk about the urban gun enthusiast types <laughs> that you know shoot the streets. And, yeah, shoot. You know. uh, yeah, shoot on on the top of rooftops. Yeah. Um. No, but I'm I'm saying that I'm sure there were legal guns there. Um. You know, people who, I, I, a lot. Some people might not believe me, but I think that people who carry guns end up having less of a temper because they yeah. know that they're, yeah. you know. So I don't know, but you, you, you have to be a little bad. bit more judicious with things. Yeah, you for sure. We and we've talked about. Oh, it. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, but listen, I would love to go places with the Mosin, but you know, like you said, it's a little big, it's a little cumbersome, but you yeah. know, hey, they've been well, doing it for you know over a hundred years. Yeah. The Mosin has been in service for over 100 years, John. Yeah, that's amazing. Since 1891. And they'll be in use far into the future. Yes, they will because they're like cockroaches. They're not going away. There's millions of them. Yep. And I see, you know, cool videos of them. Well, not cool, but videos I see even, even in conflicts in like the Ukraine, you know, like in the Donbass conflicts and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, people are still using these. Mm-hmm. They're still shooting them. And, and um, I just think it's it's a testament to the fact that, hey... It was a gun designed. Oh, this this weapon of war. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a weapon of war, everybody. Yeah. So I mean, listen to our weapons of war video uh, uh, podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, these are it's technically a, it's weapons a great, of war. It's a good one. Yeah. It applies. Yes, yeah, so these are technically weapons of war, and I think that they will continue to be in the future. But it's a weapon of war you can legally own. Yeah. And I think everybody should own one. I do as well. I think it's a great Even though I don't shoot mine anymore. I mean, oh. Taylor, you don't shoot every gun you have either, so don't pretend like you do. No, I know, but I'm I'm not quick to just not grab them. Like, I, I shoot my guns. I'm not one of these people that just buys something and then just like, oh, it's too nice to shoot. No, There's I, nothing I wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with buying something to not shoot it, dude. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it depends on the circumstance, man. No, I think it depends on the person. It's your money. You purchase it. No, how are I you gonna know. tell how are you gonna tell somebody, yo, you have to shoot that gun? I'm not saying you have to. I'm you, just saying that it's it's a gun. It's not correct. It it's not this delicate flower. It's not this piece of art, you know? Okay. I think that if you want to... You have guns. I know for a fact that you don't shoot because it's in pristine condition. No. You're a fucking hypocrite. No, I shot... You, I shoot no, this one. No, there was one you, you brought the other day here. And you were like, I haven't shot this. I don't think I'm gonna. What? Yeah. You told me. No. We're gonna... Yes. 100%. What did you bring the other day? I not, brought the AK. No, not... not. It was in... It was like a few episodes ago. A few episodes yeah. ago? Ah, jeez. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, that SKS. Uh, no, okay. Okay. I, I can shoot it. Yes, you can, but you have not. And you told me, why don't you shoot it, Taylor? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm saying I could. Okay, but you... But I didn't buy it just to not shoot it. Okay. I bought it, and then I realized, hey, this is really nice. I don't have to shoot it. Okay, so what? Listen. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I caught All you, right. bro. No, I'll shoot it. Even... <laughs> <laughs> the point is... The point is, even you, Taylor, have guns, gun that you don't shoot because it's in fucking excellent condition and you don't want to shoot it. It's okay to have that gun and not shoot it. No, I don't think now it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know what the problem is, John? I I had to really think like back in my mind. I'm like, wait, what gun was that? In the Rolodex of guns. Listen, it's not it's not my gun that I'm going to go to grab to first shoot it, but. You know, it's a gun. I specifically asked you if you shot that gun. You were like, oh, no. I'm, I can't. No, nah, I can't shoot this one. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe that one. <laughs> but the rest of them I shoot. The point stands. It's okay. Don't let Taylor talk you into shooting the guns you don't want to shoot. Okay, you don't have to shoot it if you don't want to. This fucking guy. I'm talking more about, like, high collector firearms. You know, like, like, a, like, a, like a... He's making an excuse. I'm not making yeah. an excuse, man. Mm. No. Um, don't buy what he's saying is don't buy like a run of the mill ninety one thirty beater that's already fucked up and be like oh I can't shoot it exactly it's old you exactly know, like, that's more so what yeah, I'm getting right. at. I mean like I said I bought that SKS and it was in I didn't realize so how good of a funny. shape it was at first and then when I started taking it apart the thing was still packed in Cosmoline yeah the gas tube was still packed in Cosmoline right. so I know it wasn't shot yep so I'm like you know what this is really nice it's not going to be my first go to SKS because I have other ones that I can shoot. And there is something to be said about a gun that has never been fired. I mean, there is. But, again, it's like I didn't buy it just to not shoot it. I That's know. what I'm getting at. So, right. I'm not, you know, call me a hypocrite's a little harsh there. Dude. No, no, it's not. No, no, no. You said I, don't buy guns and then not shoot them. Well, I said don't buy guns to not shoot. We have it recorded. Well, you know what? <laughs> I got, you know, my mind sometimes doesn't really quite work right. All right, maybe I didn't accidentally buy that gun, but... <laughs> You son of a bitch. No, but you purposely bought this one. I did. You motherfucker. I did. So, anyway, so like I said, don't let Taylor talk you into not shooting your gun or into shooting guns you don't want to shoot. Eh. If you buy a gun 
and you realize, holy shit, I have something really special. I want to just put it away, and I don't want to. I don't want to shoot it. That's fine. It's fine. It is okay, but I I think that me personally, it's not at the fore. It's at, it's not at the forefront of my collecting. Like I said, that gun I realized right. after the fact. I'm like, oh, this is really nice. I have other SKSs I could shoot. I'll shoot it one day. It doesn't really bother I me. I mean, there's things that people collect that they never use: guitars, yeah. Yeah. guns, yeah. computer components. You, I mean, come on, radio parts. No, you. I don't collect radio parts. You may not. You may not collect radio parts. Yeah. Okay, but you have components to things to yeah, ships and fucking. You're my grandpa's. Yeah, I know. So why don't you use them? I don't know how to fuck to you. I'm not a radio operator. Well, become one. Eh. You you had a CB radio in your car. Ah, uh, yeah. A long time oh, ago. Oh god, I was such a douche. What was your uh, What was your handle? I don't know. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. What was it? I don't know. Yeah, you do. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough for today's episode yeah. on Mosins. I'm, a, I'm on a... Mosins. <laughs> Not on my embarrassing, you know, youth, my my douche, uh, yep. you know, my douche youth. I remember that antenna on top of your car. Yeah, well, you know what? Listen, I thought it was cool at the time. I think it still is cool. Yeah. When I had my Honda Element, I would have loved to put a CB radio in there. You had a Honda Element. You can't not, you can't be talking to me about doucheness. I didn't call you a douche. You called yourself a okay, douche. Well, I'm self-deprecating then, I guess. Okay. But... You're losing today, man. Uh <laughs> I just I just wanted to talk about Moses and bringing up all this other shit, you know. But this is why John and I get along. But, I mean, you know, we've known each other for long enough to remember all like the just dumb, funny crap that listen, happened to us. There, and and it's it's I think the reason why this is all coming up is because we're talking because we're talking Moses. about Moses. Moses, I think it signifies the beginning of our friendship. It does. It really you does. Know? So it really it really sparked like our our appreciation and love for firearms yeah. together and facilitated us going, you know, to the range yeah. and shooting and making these YouTube videos on the YouTube page that I won't, I won't drop the name of. Thank and you. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just all these little things that it, it's amazing that even just a gun can spark things oh, yeah. now later in life. You oh know? yeah. So, all right, I guess that's it for today. <laughs> um, check out all of our other episodes. We release one Monday and Friday. Um, they're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. Yeah, you everywhere. Find a podcast. And yeah. if there's somewhere where you can find us and you want us to upload to, let us let know. us know. I think most places at this point probably have us. Probably. Um, and it's all one word: NY Gun Guys. NY Gun Guys. Um, Instagram, Facebook, NY. Oh yeah, NY the Gun Guys too, because we post like some content up, like little teaser videos, yeah. pictures, and stuff. Yeah. So be sure to check out the Instagram. If you have Instagram, go on there, like you know, like it, follow it. Please subscribe to the actual podcast on Apple Podcasts. That helps a lot. Yeah. And it'll send you a little push notification. We don't bombard people with it. Nah. We do like one, maybe two posts on the Instagram and Facebook a day, and you know, you're only going to get one notification on Apple Podcasts uh, two two a week. Yeah. Um. Once Monday, one Friday. So yeah. Check us out on there. Like us. Follow us if you have Facebook. Follow us. Uh, more people seem to have Facebook than they do. They do Instagram. So yeah. I guess that's it for now. That's it, John. All right, we're the NY Gun Guys. Mo's on the Gun episode. Thanks for bringing in Taylor. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And uh, yeah, it's, like I said, it always just brings up some funny shit. Yeah, and don't forget, shoot your guns as per Taylor. Yeah. But as per me, don't feel bad. You don't have to. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.
Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode of the New York Gun Guys podcast. If you guys enjoyed the show, check out our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find a podcast. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday and Friday, so check us out. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook at NYGunGuys. Check us out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Share it. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much for tuning in, and as always, stay safe.